Excitement and fear. Excitement and fear. Have you ever been in a place where you have felt both at the same time excitement and fear? Maybe it was when you started high school, your first day of high school. Maybe it was when you began a new job. Maybe it was when you decided to get married. Maybe it was when you became a parent or a grandparent. Or maybe it was in your work life and you were tasked with something that was outside your comfort zone, but it was nice that you were asked. Or maybe it was a mission trip you went on through church. But have you ever been in that place where you felt both excitement and fear? And I think when you, a person is called by God, it's a real normal thing to feel both excitement and fear. And I think we're going to see that in our text today. I'm a little hesitant to talk about this story uh, with our, about our family because um, it can give the wrong meaning if you're new to the Christian life. The Christian life is this ride of just miracles and happiness because I think the reality is uh, John Bunyan said the Christian life is a, a daily plotting. And I think that's true. I think it's just this life that's just so daily. It's a daily a walking with God in and out and it sometimes can feel mundane. Uh, but every now and then God like peels the curtain of heaven into earth back and lets a miracle come in that kind of changes things. And that kind of happened to us as a family. Uh, when we were looking in 2008, to, uh, we sensed that God was calling us to leave pastoral ministry and go to the mission field, and we thought we were going to Peru, and our agency, uh, our denomination asked us to go to Portugal instead, and I said, that'd be great, what country is that in? Um, and I, we had no idea, but we decided we had to make a decision if we're going to go to Portugal or not. So uh, we took five days, and we went to my dad's uh, condominium that was uh, up in Door County. And we went there to uh, pray and make a decision. At the end of those five days, we were going to decide, are we in for Portugal or are we not? And are we going to stay here? And i got to be honest with you, I was kind of going into that thinking, you know, I feel really comfortable where I am, and I love being a pastor, and if, God, if you shifted things and made it so we stay here, that would be fine with me, and I kind of had a feeling maybe that's where this was going to go. Uh, so we went up there, and we, we pulled in, and we got to my dad's condo, and the condo's kind of in like a, a group of condos, and in the center is like a, a main office, and they rent out the condo when it's not being used. And so uh, I walked into the condominium, we had our luggage, and there's a stack of books on the table, and uh, the dining room table, and they were left there from the previous person that was staying at the condo, they didn't put them back, and so I said, I'm going to take these books and I'll bring them back down to the front desk where the library is, because there's like a makeshift library there that people can take books in. And so I grabbed these books and I pulled this book off the top of it, and so we just walked in, mind you, and the name of this book is called Pleasures by the Busload. And if you open the front cover, this is what you see. And you see on the, your left is a bus full of people, and on the right, they're going to the country of Portugal. <laughs> and I looked at this and I thought, no way. <laughs> and I said, man, God, what are you doing? And uh, I love it. A friend of mine, Doug Gallick, who's here, he kind of said, the only reason this book was published was for that moment because no one would read a book about a group of people going to Portugal. It just wouldn't happen. So it was like the only reason. And so um, I went down. I said, could I keep this book? And she said, sure. So I kept it as just a reminder 
of those times that sometimes God breaks in and does miraculous. But here's the thing. You think when that, would ha- that happened, you think we'd be like, yes, we know. It's almost like he wrote it in the sky. It's almost like he sent us the email. We know for sure this is exactly what we're supposed to do. And you think we'd have all this like confidence and joy and excitement. But you know what? We had excitement, but we were scared to death. There was this fear too. Like, and part of the fear was, I don't think I can do this. In fact, I know I can't do this. I don't know if I can do this. And there's this excitement mixed with fear. And I think that's really common when God calls you. And here's the thing. God doesn't just call pastors. God doesn't just call missionaries. Every single person who's a follower of Jesus Christ has a calling. You have a calling in your life. And God is calling you to do something. And so many times we hold back because that fear side of the excitement and fear gets into our head. And we say, i got to pull back. And we don't go forward with what God is calling us to do. And I want to try to rectify that by showing you a calling in the Scripture today, and it's from a guy named Jeremiah. And so if you have a Bible, I encourage you to uh, open your Bible up to Jeremiah. If you're new to the Bible, the way you get there is you kind of open in the middle, start going towards the right. You'll go past Psalms, you'll go past Proverbs, you'll go past Isaiah, and right after Isaiah, you'll find Jeremiah. Um, I forgot to check, uh, I think from last, I should have checked, I didn't check first service I should have checked in between. I think it's 664 in the Worship Center Bibles. That's right. So six, page 664 if you're using our Worship Center Bible. In this, I want to look at four essentials to the call of God in our lives. Four essentials to the call of God in our lives. And the first three verses give us some great background information that we're going to look at. And then we're going to lay out the four essentials to God's calling in our life. So let's look at Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests living in Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, the word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. It also came throughout the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when all the people of Israel went into exile. Now, there's a lot of Edekiahs in there, and it gets kind of confusing, but there's some amazing information if we take a look in these first three verses. First, here's what we see and we learn about Jeremiah. First, Jeremiah was a pastor's kid. His dad was a priest, so he grew up as a pastor's kid. He grew up in a small town called Anathoth, which was three miles north of Jerusalem. It was kind of in the wilderness. He was, grew up in a rural wilderness area. And at the end of King Solomon's reign, King Solomon was this king who ruled over the people of Israel. Uh, at the end of his reign, the Israel as a nation split. In the north, you had the northern kingdom, which was still called Israel. In the south, you had the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. Each kingdom had kings, so you had a king of Israel and a king of Judah. And Jeremiah lived in the southern part. He lived in Judah, and that's where Jerusalem was. He lived down by Jerusalem, and he served as a prophet. God called him to be a prophet, and he served as a a prophet would always serve next to a king because they'd always tell the king what the word of God says. And so Jeremiah served for five different kings during his time. Three of them are listed in verses 1 to 3, but there was two that they didn't list because those two only lasted about two or three months in their term as king. So he served five different kings as a prophet. For 40 years he spent as a prophet in Judah. 
It was a difficult time because during his 40 years, Judah was constantly being tossed around and threatened by two or three different superpowers. Most of the people at the time turned away from God. Most of the people, historians tell us, were selfish, evil, greedy. They had no um, mind for God whatsoever. Historians tell us that the culture, one historian I read said, it was a messy cesspool of sin, evil, and greed. That's where... Jeremiah lived, and he was called to talk about God in that culture. He was called to talk to people about God who could care less and give a rip about who God is. That was his mission, and he had to do it for 40 years. It says, if you look at character sketches of Jeremiah, that he was known as the weeping prophet because he would cry a lot. Because in part of it, his life was so hard. He lived in a difficult time with an extremely difficult task. And he often felt probably inadequate for what God was telling him to do. His calling was difficult. He was ridiculed. He was persecuted. People said he was out of touch. They didn't understand what he was trying to say. And if you would have said to anybody who was listening to Jeremiah during that time that 2,500 years into the future, in 2019, we're going to be talking about Jeremiah they would have said, you are absolutely crazy. They would have said, there's no way you're going to talk about that weird guy. He just comes and does these weird things and talks about this weird God. There's no way he's going to be anything famous. And as we look at this, I want to kind of think through, why are we talking about Jeremiah 2,500 years after he had his ministry? Why are we talking about it? So let's dive in. We're going to see as we look at these four essentials of a calling from God. First of all, number one, a calling comes from God alone. A calling comes from God alone. Look at verses 4 and 5. The word of the Lord came to me. This is Jeremiah's talking. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. You see, calling is not something you create. Calling is something that you are born for. Your calling existed before you were here. You see, it's not like a person is born and then God says, okay, baby, 4,536 or whatever has been born, so now we have to go to the file, get a calling, put a calling. No, no, your calling came before you were born. Your calling came before the earth was here. The reason you are here and the reason you were born is because you had a calling that God had to fulfill. He said your calling here was happened before you were formed in the womb. So calling comes first, then you are born because of the calling. You don't create your calling. You don't step into it. Calling is from God, and he places it upon you. See, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, ownership of your life has now been transformed and transferred. When you decide you're going to follow Jesus and you ask him into your life and you begin to walk out your daily life as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are now a slave of God. You have no rights of your own anymore. And so your role is to walk out the calling that God places on your life. And God doesn't just call pastors and missionaries. He calls all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. And so when you say, God, I want to follow you, you are basically saying, I give up my rights and I will embrace the calling of God on my life. 
And it's a calling that existed before the world was here. And it was a calling that existed before my parents even knew each other. And I am here because I have a calling. Do you see how divine and powerful and sacred a calling is? And you all have one. Because a calling comes from God. Let's look at verse 6 and we'll find out the second essential to a calling. So what did Jeremiah do once he found out he was called? He says, but I protested. Oh, no, Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. Number two in calling is, our, is we often resist God's calling in our life. We often resist God's calling on our life. Jeremiah responds by giving excuses as to why he can't do this calling. He says, I can't do it because I am young. I can't do it because I can't speak. He basically was saying, God, I am inexperienced. I am unqualified. I cannot do this calling. I can't do this. Maybe you felt like that at one time or other. Maybe there's something you feel like, you know what, I should do this. I should dive into this ministry. But you say, you know what, I can't do that because I just don't feel qualified. I don't feel like I have the talent. I don't feel like I have the ability. I don't feel like I should be the one to do that. You know what? I think everybody who's ever been used powerfully by God has felt that way. Anybody who's ever powerfully been used by God has felt this thing inside them. When they know they're supposed to go do what God's calling them to do, they say, you know what? I can't do that because I am inexperienced and I am unqualified. Have you ever said that about yourself? I know you have because I've asked you to do stuff and you told me, no, I can't because I can't do that. Guess what? God doesn't give a rip about what we think we can do and what we can't do. When it comes to calling, it is so sacred, it is so special that he wants you to step into your calling whether you feel qualified or not. Because calling is bigger than your ability. Calling is bigger than your talent. Calling is bigger than your qualifications. And we're going to see that, in fact, if you think you can do your calling in your own strength and power and talent, you don't know what calling is all about. There's a friend of mine named Chris who we kind of came to know uh, Christ together. We became Christians together. We were discipled together. And Chris decided um, he was going to go to college. But here's the thing about Chris. Chris hated studying foreign languages. He couldn't do it. He said he wasn't good at it. In fact, uh, when he went to college and was picking out a college, we all kind of chuckle and laugh because um, he picked his college not based off of what major he wanted to study, not based off a location. He picked his college because he was looking at colleges that did not require a foreign language. That was like his number one thing. If they required a foreign language, I'm out. I'm not doing that. And we'd chuckle and laugh because as Chris was in his sophomore year of college, God got a hold of his heart, and he called him to be a missionary. And as he started looking towards what kind of mission work he's going to do, God called him to be a Bible translator. And so Chris had to go and he had to learn Greek and Hebrew. And then uh, he got called to this country, Burkina Faso, West Africa, He was sent into the middle of this desert. He lived in this village called Jibo, and he went to the Karumfe people who who spoke a language that was not written down. They had no written language. So Chris was called to learn their language, create an alphabet, 
create their whole language system, and then he would take and translate the Bible into their language. And after 30 years of work, they finally commissioned the Karumfe New Testament about two years ago in Burkina Faso, West Africa. And Chris was the guy who was in charge of this linguistic project. And Chris would often say to me, Dan, I'm in these rooms with these people, these men and women who have PhDs in linguistics. They're saying things. I have no idea what they're talking about. I have no idea why I am in the room. And I said, Chris, you're in the room because God put you in the room. You see, God could care less about how you feel qualified. God could care less about what you feel like your restrictions or your comfort zone is. God could, feel, could care less about what you think that you can do and what you can't do because calling is bigger than that. Calling is sacred. Calling pulls you out of what you feel comfortable in so that you rely and depend upon God. You see, calling is big. God wants you to step out into big things for him. Because God is saying, I don't want, you need to understand, calling comes and is worked through you. It doesn't originate in you. Look at verse 7. So Jeremiah protests, I can't do that, I can't do that. Then the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you and speak whatever I tell you. That kind of covers it, doesn't it? You will go everywhere and speak to everyone I tell you, Boom. God says, I don't want to hear, I am not, I am not, I am not, I am not, I can't, I can't, I can't. He's not interested in what you think you can or can't do. He's saying, stop doubting, stop being afraid, stop being insecure, and remember who I am and trust me for crying out loud. That's what God is saying. He's saying, start walk with me and I will show you what I'm going to do with you. And you will be absolutely amazed at what's going to happen We are at a place, a critical place in the church in today's point in history. We are at a critical place where our society and our culture and our world desperately needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It desperately needs to hear the love of God. And we cannot afford to have precious Christians sitting in the sidelines because they're too afraid of what God's calling them to do. We are at a spot now where the stakes are high. And if there was ever a time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up and say, yes, I'm going to walk in the calling that God has for me, now is it. We can't sit back and say, well, I can't, I can't, I'm not good, I'm not good. What if I screw up? What if I make a mistake? Who cares? Calling is bigger than that. God's calling us to obey and jump in. You know, when we run down our lists of all the things we can't do, and I can't do that, and all, you know what God says? He says, you forget who you're talking to. You forget who I am. Do you know that you're talking to the God of the universe? You're talking to the one who's almighty, all-powerful, everywhere at once God, who controls every single thing in the universe that sustains the life of every human being. The fact that we are able to breathe is because God allows that. He's in control of every intricate detail. He holds everything in the palm of his hand, and he's come to you, and he says, I want you to step and do this thing. And you're going to look at him and say, no, I can't, I can't, because I'm not really good at that. He says, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who I am? When you walk with me, I can do amazing things for you, regardless of the things you think you can do and the things you can't do. See, calling is bigger than who we are. God is asking us 
to stop living in fear and stop living in insecurity and start trusting him for who he is. That's what he's calling us to. If God were to let Jeremiah stay in that place of I can't, I can't, I'm unqualified, I'm young, I can't speak. If God were just said okay and left Jeremiah there, I guarantee you we would not be talking about him 2,500 years later. We need to be careful that as the church of Jesus Christ, we don't become like the people that Jeremiah writes about in the next chapter where it says these are a group of people. You know what he indicted them with? He said these group of people have no awe of God in their life. They have no awe of God. They have no understanding of how amazing, how powerful he is. And sometimes as a church, I think it's easy for us to slip into this idea where we lose our awe of God. In fact, I think we have more awe about the evil things going on in our world than we have the awe of God himself. In fact, I think we have at times more awe about our insecurities and our fears and the things that we feel like we can't do than we have of who God is and what he's about See, God wants to capture our hearts with awe and amazement about who he is because he's the God of the universe, the almighty, all-powerful, everywhere-at-once God who holds all things together. And he comes to his people and he says, I want you to do something. And, and we should, the last thing we should be thinking about is our shortcomings, our insecurities, and the things we can't do because he is calling us to step forward into who he has called us to be. And he's going to meet us there. God is saying, I made you for this. You don't understand. The fact that you're here hearing about a calling means I have a calling on your life. The fact that you're here this morning drawing air means that God put a calling on your life and he has something for you to do. And it's not just about being a pastor or missionary. Everybody who's a follower of Jesus Christ, has this calling. And God says, I am with you. There's nothing that can stop you when I call you to do what I'm calling you to do. This leads us to the third essential of calling. Number three, calling declares that God is here. A calling declares that God is here. Look at verse 8. So God said, don't say those things. Verse 8 God continues, do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. See, this calling things about what God does, not about what we do. Don't be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. He's declaring that this will happen. You see, a calling goes and says God is here. That's what a calling is. It may come in the package of a doctor. It may come in the package of a teacher. It may come in the package of a parent or a friend. It may come in the package of a millwright. It doesn't really matter the package. The calling God puts in your life is wherever you are in this world is that you stand and you declare by your life and how you're living and your belief and your action that God exists and he is here and I'm a follower of him and I'm going to live my life as such, see, that's the calling of God that we have, that we have to carry that. No matter what world he has put you in, no matter what your life looks like, no matter what job you're in, family you're in, neighborhood you're in, you are called to be an ambassador of God, to declare to that place that God is real, he exists, and you are here. 
Jeremiah's calling was to live out that message. And he had to live it out in a real difficult, hard place. You see, people say, Dan, you don't know. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but the world doesn't like us Christians that much. It doesn't like what we believe. It doesn't like what we say. It's nothing compared to what Jeremiah had to live in. It was a desperate, horrible place. And Jeremiah was called to go to this place and not only declare that God is here, but then he was called to tell them that God is going to judge them unless they turn from their sin. Can you imagine how popular that message was? No wonder he was the weeping prophet. Here's what God showed him. Jump kind of over to verse 13. Verses 13 to 14, it says, Again, the word of the Lord came to me, asking, What do you see? And I replied, I see a boiling pot, its lip tilted from the north to the south. Then the Lord said to me, Disaster will be poured out from the north on all who live in the land. You see, that boiling pot was the Babylonian army, one of those superpowers that was going to come and take over all of Judah. And The message Jeremiah had was to go to these people and say, God is going to judge unless you repent. It's happening. He's moving things into place. It was a difficult, difficult message. It wasn't an easy calling. And so what did Jeremiah do? He said, I don't think I can do this. He was honest with God. He ran to God. He spent time with God because the calling was God's. It wasn't Jeremiah's. And he went to God, and he said, God, I don't think I can do this. And he was honest, and God came and met him in that place. Look at verses 9 to 10. Look at what the Lord did. Jeremiah comes. He says, I'm desperate. I can't do this. You got the wrong guy. I don't know why you're doing this to me. And verse 9, then the Lord reached out in his hand and touched my mouth. And he told me, I have now filled your mouth with words. See, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and to plant. You see, God touched Jeremiah and gave Jeremiah every single thing he needed to walk out the assignment that God put on his life. Do you know that God still touches people today? And gives them all they need. That's why we don't have to worry about all the stuff we feel like we can't do. Because it doesn't matter. Because God is going to meet that need as we meet with him. You see, there's another prophet named Isaiah who felt very inadequate. And he said, God, I don't think I can do this. And Isaiah's issue was sin. He said, I'm a sinful man. I have sinful thoughts. I'm full of sin. And God came to Isaiah and he touched him and he cleansed him from his sin. You see, his inadequacy was that he felt like he wasn't holy enough to take a calling. And God touched him and met him in that place and forgave him and cleansed him and set him free in the power of Jesus Christ to live out where he's supposed to go. Jeremiah's inadequacy was, I can't talk. I don't have what it takes to do this. God met him in that place and said, I will give you all you need. You just stay with me, Jeremiah. Just stay close to me. Hang with me. We're going to do this together. I never expected you to do this call on your own. Are you crazy? Yeah, you can't do that. I am with you, and I'm going to carry this calling out with you, and I'm going to give you every single thing you need. So when I call you to do something, and it is so hard, when I call you to go to that area, when you are living your Christian life, and you're in a non-Christian world, and things are happening, and I want you to open your mouth and say something, and you're like, but they're going to reject me. They're going to hate me. They're going to think I'm a nut. Then you just go do that, because I am here, and I'm going to take care of every single thing that happens from that point on. Do you get it? This is something we do together. It's what calling's all about. 
No matter how difficult your calling may be, you must spend time with God to walk in it. You must prioritize your time with God. That's why in the bulletin we have this thing called Words of Life where Monday through Friday you get into God's Word, you open up your Bible, you look at that, you read that, and you get empowered because you meet with God as he walks that calling out. I'm trying to do something this year in 2019 that I heard a guy do I think is really great is before I get up and take a shower, before I make my breakfast, before I do anything, the first thing I do, I get out of bed, I grab my Bible, and I say the first thing I'm going to do today is get God's word in my life because I'm going to start with that. Because so often what can happen is I can get into my day and my routine and all of a sudden it's like if I do go back to have time with God, it's about that much. And I'm getting up early to say, you know, the first thing I'm going to do when I open my eyes, my feet hit the floor, I'm grabbing God's word, and I'm going to go meet with the Almighty. And I'm going to say, God, I need you, because that's the only way I'm going to live out this calling. And that's the only way you're going to live out your calling, is meeting with God in that place. And so that's why we prioritize things like this seminar coming up with Fritz Dale about how to live intentionally by guarding your heart this Saturday. Be there, sign up for it in the Cross Connect room. He's going to show you a way to how to plan your life so that you can stay connected to God in a crazy world. It's a good thing. It's essential in our calling to declare God is here that we stay connected to him. And finally, number four, in God's calling, God is always with us. In God's calling, God is always with us. You have to see how amazing God is in this next group of verses. This blows my mind. He knows Jeremiah so well. He knows you and I so well. And he's so good as a father. He gives us exactly what we need. He's the perfect dad that knows exactly what we need and when we need it. Look at verses 11 and 12. This is Isaiah, or Jeremiah. He says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, asking, What do you see, Jeremiah? And Jeremiah replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said, you have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. Now, when you first read that, you think, what does that have to do with anything? I'm confused. Back up. Then the word of the Lord came to me asking, what do you see, Jeremiah? Jeremiah replied, I see the branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. Now, some of your Bibles probably have a little letter over watched over, which means there's a footnote, and you look down at the bottom, and it says the word almond tree sounds like the word for watch over in Hebrew. This is a huge key. See, what God's doing is God's using a play on words to remind Jeremiah that he is always watching over him. You see, Jeremiah lived in a place where there's kind of like where we live where there's tons of pine trees. In Jeremiah's day, there's tons of almond trees. And what he was saying was, Jeremiah, anytime you see the almond tree, you need to remember that I am watching you. Because the words sound the exact same. Almond tree in Hebrew is sheked. The word for watch over is shekad. And what God was doing was this play on words where he is linking the fact that every time you see an almond tree, Jeremiah, I want you to remember that you're not doing your calling alone, but I am watching over you to do this. In our day, our modern day, it'd be kind of like this. If God said to us, hey, every time you look at your watch, you remember, I am watching you. 
That's what he is doing to Jeremiah. Every time you look at your watch, you remember that I am watching you. When you can't go on, when you want to give up, when you feel like there's nowhere else to go and you don't have anything left in you, you remember your, look at your watch and you remember I am watching you. Have you had one of those days where you had to get up and you had to do something extremely difficult that you dreaded doing? And that all of a sudden the alarm goes off and you're like, oh no, I have to have the flu today. I just can't face what's ahead of me, right? Look at your watch. Remember, I'm watching you. I'm always watching you. I've never left you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm always there. When you're facing a trial that you don't understand, and it's so complex, and it's so messed up, and you feel so horrible. God is in that place with you right there saying, look at your watch, and remember, I am watching you. When you are called to a place that's very hostile to Christianity, and, and they don't understand, and you're supposed to stand for integrity and live out Christian ethics where you live, but nobody's doing that, God says, don't be afraid. You look at your watch, and you remember, I'm watching you. I'm never going to leave you to be alone. I'm never, ever, ever going to send you out into this world on your own. I, as your loving Father, am always going to be with you. That's why you don't have to worry about your insecurities and what you can't do because they are not going to do anything because I am here with you always. I'm going to be standing over watching all the time. I'm like that loving dad that never lets their precious child out of their sight in a dangerous situation and is always there ready to step in and grab you. I'm going to be watching you. You never have to worry about that. That's who God is. He declares who he is. You're never alone in this place when I call you to do something. And now look at verses 17 and 18. See where God takes Jeremiah. Now God says to Jeremiah this, Now get ready, Jeremiah. Stand up. Tell them everything I command you. Do not be intimidated by them, or I will cause you to cower before him. You want to go in your own strength? I'll let that happen. Today I am the one who has made you, Jeremiah, a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls to stand against the whole land. You know, some of you sit there and you say, I can't think of this. And God says, you know what you are? You are a fortified city. You are a big pillar. You are a bronze wall. And you're thinking, me? There's no way I could do that. We're looking at this thing in Jeremiah, this guy who's like withdrawn, who's always crying all the time. He's this fortified city, this iron pillar, this bronze wall. If you ask the people who met and talked to Jeremiah, they would say, you're crazy. That's not who Jeremiah is. He's like this weird guy that's in the corner crying all the time. God says, no, you are a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah and its officials, its priests and the population. How could that be? How could this weak, feeble, insecure, weeping guy Jeremiah be all these, this strong, huge pillar against the society of the time? How can a weak little Christian stand against a culture that's so anti-Christian and post-Christian and stand for what the Bible says and what it believes and all the good Christian ethic in a world such as this? How can that be? It can happen because of verse 19. They will fight against you, but never prevail over you. 
You see, some of us are afraid of the fight, but we don't understand that you get in the fight, but they're not going to prevail. They will fight against you, but will never prevail over you. Why? Since I am with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's suggestion? No. This is his declaration. This will happen. This is who he is. You can take it to the bank. You could stand in your calling knowing that God is going to be there with you and back you. This is who he is. You see, Jeremiah was called to do an unbelievable task to proclaim the message that God is here to people who could care less, who were all caught up in their sinful living, and he had to do it for decades And he said, I can't do this. And you know what? He was absolutely right. But here's what I want you to grab. When Jeremiah talked to God about his inadequacy, God assured him with God's power. When Jeremiah was that place where he talked about his inadequacy, God met him there and surrounded him with the assurance of his power. That's what God did, and that's who he is. Contrary to what people tell you, depending on God and trusting in him is the secret to fulfilling your calling. Depending on God and trusting in him, when you're stepping outside your comfort zone scared to death, trusting in him is the secret to fulfilling your calling, not your strengths, not your talents, not your abilities. In fact, because dependency and trust is the required thing and because dependency and trust is what's important in your calling strength and talent and ability all that stuff is a hindrance to your calling not an asset to it weakness is the asset to calling weakness is the asset to fulfilling what god has you do that fear you feel when you say i don't know if i could do this i'm afraid that is actually should be to be embraced because that is what empowers your calling because that fear makes you say i can't do this god i need you to come and do this in my life you see strength is an weakness and weakness is an asset when it comes to your calling with god God's not calling us to be strong. God's calling us to be weak, so incredibly weak that we get on our knees and beg him and say, God, unless you come and move, there's no way I can fulfill the calling you put on my life. See, Jeremiah knew that. That's why he was this fortified city. That's why he was this bronze wall. That's why he was this pillar. Because he, wasn't, he knew that he couldn't do this in his own strength, and it drove him to his knees. In the poverty of strength, God will rest on you. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, that I boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ will rest upon me. In the poverty of strength, in your weakest moment, your most fearful, insecure place, if you cry out to God, the power of Christ will enter into that place and make you a fortified city. How powerful is that? We put our total trust in him and ask him to move. You know, we spend an awful lot of time in this life trying to stay away from discomfort and trying to stay away from pain and medicating pain and not going into situations where we might get hurt 
And if there's any kind of risk of discomfort, any kind of risk of fear, any kind of risk of sickness, or any kind of risk of feeling like I might look like a fool, we don't go there. We protect ourselves from that. And when bad things come into our life, we immediately try to get out of them through prayer or medicine or anything we can do. And I'm not saying we should go look and try to, in a sick way, dive into destructive situations. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying that we in our culture in the United States don't like discomfort and can't handle it very much. And any time it comes into our life, we try to escape it. One of my heroes wrote this amazing quote that I want to share with you that Jeremiah lived out. It's by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He said, I've learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. I've learned to kiss the waves. The rock of ages is Jesus Christ. And the waves that throw us against him are all the difficult trials in our life. The things that happen to us that we hate. The things we try to avoid. The things we try to get out of. Because when you go through a difficult time, it's like the wave that throws you against Jesus Christ because you know, I have no other option than to go to Jesus Christ and ask for his power. And when you realize that those trials and those difficulties and those things that are excruciating are there, and you realize that the purpose of them is to throw you onto the rock of ages, to spin your head back to look to Jesus Christ and who he is, you get to a spot where you learn, and you don't just appreciate suffering, but you learn to kiss it because it becomes so beautiful, because you know that in your heart you're prone to wander, but then suffering comes and throws you against the rock of Jesus Christ, who is the only source of real life. Life only matters in him, not this thing that we live in and play in day in and day out. It's all about Jesus. And when we get caught up in this world, sometimes we need these things these waves that throw us back on Jesus. And the true follower of him loves Jesus so much and has such a passion for Jesus that they love that more than they love their comfort. They love that more than they love their clean health, Bill. They love that more than they love their safe, little, cozy, comfortable place where they don't have to step out and do anything. They love Jesus so much to those things that push him out of that comfort zone. They say, I've learned to kiss because I love it, because it points me to him. You see, Jeremiah knew this. Jeremiah learned to kiss the waves that threw him up against God. And you know what? That's why we're talking about him in 2019. It's not because of anything he did. It wasn't because how great he was. It's because he depended on God and knew God. Calling comes from God. Number two, calling is often resisted. Number three, calling says that God is here. And number four, God is always in the midst of his calling. So what do we do with that? Two things and we're done. First of all, I'm going to encourage you to embrace your life as mundane as you may think it is, as the calling of God in your life. Where you live, your neighborhood, your family, your job, your uh, sphere of influence, your friends, God sovereignly put you there to declare that he exists. Embrace that in your current situation as God's calling in your life. 
You see, it's not about just pastors and missionaries. Every single person's called. And sometimes I think you wake up on Monday morning and you just go through your routine and you probably dream of doing something else. But what if that routine is God's calling on your life and you're missing it, thinking of something else? Embrace what God has you today, whether you are a parent, a grandparent, a friend, a husband, a wife, a daughter, a son, a worker, whatever it is. Embrace your life today as God's sovereign call and mission on your life. He has something for you in that. And then number two, you step into that with all you've got no matter the insecurity, no matter the fear, no matter the disqualifications, because God has placed you there. And if he's placed you there, that means he is there in your midst. And it doesn't matter what's going to happen. So when you're in that calling, you can stand and be a voice for God. You can be the voice like Jeremiah that says, God is here. I declare he's in our midst, and this is who he is. And it won't matter what's going to happen because God is with you. Do you get it? Let us go from this place to live on mission and depend on Jesus and leave behind doubt, leave behind fear, leave behind passivity and trust God and be with him. Let's pray. God, I thank you that in the bigger scheme of things, it seems kind of crazy that you'd use your children for your mission when you could do so much more than that, but it brings you glory and it's who you are. And so, God, I pray you'd help us place more awe in who you are than our insecurities and our fears and our comfort zones. God, I ask that the addiction we have to comfort and safety and all these things that often prevent us from being all that you've called us to be, will you show us the foolishness of that? The addiction we have to making sure our life is never touched by pain and is always comforted, will you show us that that addiction to comfort actually pulls us back from living full tilt for what you have for us? God, will you show us how amazingly powerful you are, that the awe that we have for you would be so increased that that would be the chief compass and guide in our lives. So God, we pray that you would do this. We need you to do this. We are so full of ourselves and the fact that we can't even see this clearly. And so we ask for your help and we plead by grace and mercy that you'd open our eyes to who you are that would empower us to step forward and to be the people you're calling us to be. And so we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.